Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly food podcast. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Joining me this week is my good friend Felice Sloan, one of the the swank half of the popular local lifestyle blog, Urban Swank. Felice, how are you? Hey, 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 hey. Unfortunately, your partner in all things blogging, Shannon Jones, couldn't be with us today. But we have plenty to talk about, even though Shannon's not here. We do. I'm, I'm going to channel her. I'm going to channel her, too. So Okay, good. <laughs> good. I wouldn't want it any other way. Let's start with the biggest news from last week. Jerry built the Better Burger chain, a, a restaurant that was devoted to... High quality ingredients, very transparent cooking practices. I mean, it had a glassed-in kitchen. It used hormone-free beef. It used all these all these good stuff. Suddenly closed both of its locations, really without any warning at all, right after Memorial Day. Felice, let me just kind of start at the beginning with this. Were you a Jerry Built fan? I was a Jerry Built fan. Um, I think I love the concept. The, the crew behind it, the owners, everyone, they're really nice. They kind of, they get it. So definitely a fan. But am I surprised? No. Okay. And that's really <laughs> what I wanted to get into because there are so many burgers in this town now. I mean, just in the last year, obviously, Hop Dottie arrived, Shake Shack arrived, yep. Bernie's Burger Bus is growing, the burger joint is blowing up. Burger Chan, if you're like a hipster burger fan, right. then you know about Burger Chan and Greenway Plaza. We love burgers in this town. We do. Why aren't you surprised that Jerry built closed? Well, one of the things I think everything you name, like they have all they have the, all the right ingredients to be successful, right? Going into where we are with food and people wanting organic meats and all that. So they have the right concept. However, I think the execution of the consistency of the burger from location to location, and even when I would go, I'm like, okay, it's good. They just couldn't get it right in the kitchen. I think that was a big part of it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's so tricky to explain, like, why I like Burger X and not Burger (laughs) Y. Because Lord knows, I ate a lot of burgers. Yeah. I've eaten, like, three burgers in the past five days, I think. But I never thought to go to Jerry Belt. That's one of the things. It's like, oh, it's good. You have to think about it. Like, if I want Bernie's, I know what I'm going to get. I may try. I may go on a field trip, right, to see what's on there and go there. But other than that, I'm going to go between one or two burgers, and it's going to be consistent. Now, I read some comments on the Internet that when they opened, they had, like, essentially infinite toppings and that people found that sort of overwhelming. When you go to a restaurant, do you want, like, here's our menu, put it together however you want, or do you want like maybe four or five curated choices? I like to the curated choices and I like to be able to build my own. However, here's the thing. However, I like to see that. I usually go with the curated choice. So and maybe like add one or two things. So I don't need 20 million toppings. I think that's cool to see. But I never really go there because I am a basic burger girl. You know, that's even going to pizza or something. You can have uh, infinite amount of toppings. I'm probably going to go with like three or four. Right. I mean, I, I was talking to, <laughs> just as a side note, I was talking to Lee Ellis about pie pizza. And he said, you know, pie has all these really great creative pizzas. There's one with 
collard greens and bacon. There's right. one with blackberries and goat cheese. But at the end of the day, the thing that people order the most of is pepperoni. Right. And so I think that applies to burgers too. If you can't get the basic cheeseburger perfect, then it, it almost doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't, right. Right, because the majority of the people, to your point, the major the masses are going to go with the basic burger, right? They may add chili, they may add an egg or two, but if the basic is not really good, why am I going to add anything to it? And really, I don't. If I have to add something to make it taste better, oh, you've lost me, you've lost me, I'm gone. <laughs> right, and I think it just goes back to something that Ronnie Killen talked about on this podcast a few weeks ago, which is that people are very particular about what they do and don't like in burgers, how they like them cooked, how they like them served, is the cheese melting enough, is the bun toasted, all those little details, and that if you're not very precise about how you present it to them, they will rip you apart. Yeah, even you you miss one. The bun to meat ratio. Oh, it's critical. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, that for me, I'm like, okay, you've lost me. So I, I think something as simple as a burger, it still has to be... You have to get it. And I think what Jerry Belt suffered from, it was, you know, you talk to people like, oh, no, it's good. But, but then it's it, not compelling. <laughs> right. Right. It, like, this is fine, but in a city with a lot of really great choices, it never stood out and it didn't draw people back. Exactly. In. It's good, but, yeah, but, right, or it's great. I'm going to go to the other places. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk just briefly about story that I reported exclusively for Culture Map. Jonathan's the Rub, the Memorial Village's favorite, the 10-year success story, is going to open a second location. They're going to Memorial Green, which is on a new development from the Midway Company. That's the owner of City Center and a whole bunch of other developments mm -hmm. around town. They're going to open up, not until next year, so it's a little ways away, but uh, in the Memorial Green development, which is just east of the Sam Houston Toll Road, kind of near Town & Country, kind of near mm -hmm. Town Center. You, you and I have dined at Jonathan's The Rub before. I know it's been a minute. Yeah. But what do, you, what do you like about that restaurant? Why is this good news for the people that live at, shall we say, the western edge of Memorial? Well, I think it's great. First of all, you know, when you go in, it's, I feel like I'm a part of the family, even though, you know, I'm dining with whomever I'm with. Everyone in there, it's just so homey. And it's small and intimate, but it's just like a party without it being too loud. You can go on a date. You can take your family members there. But the, the service is amazing. The food is great. And I think um, this is really good news for them because they're able to expand. We know they've been trying to do that, and the timing wasn't right. I believe we thought the timing wasn't right. Things happen as they should and when they should. So this is awesome news for them. And I think that other people will be able to experience it. The challenge, I think, will be exactly for the reason that I said, though, right? Like they're in this new development. It's going to be bigger and all that. Will they be able to duplicate that in the new space? Right. I think that is the one thing. And, and they've been around for 10 years, so they don't really, I think people kind of come with their own expectations. But in the beginning, it was surprising. You know, it was located next to a convenience store. It had 28 seats. Obviously, it's grown. They right. kicked the convenience store out of that little strip center, and they have the whole property now. But, you know, they're not going to be sneaking up on anybody this time. Right. 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 This comes with the full weight of expectations, and it's going to be up to Jonathan and Sam and the rest of the family 
to make sure that everything is on point. Yeah. And I think, you know, their crew, I think they're able to do it. Right. Like you said, it's kind of setting the expectations where they'll have a whole new crowd of people that would never go over to the, uh, they've never been, they're waiting. Right. Cause they want the new shiny thing. So I just think that, um, for them to manage the expectations of their existing customers and for them to just kind of repeat what they're doing. I think that's their formula for success. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see how that translates. And they're going to add uh, a full liquor license. So they'll have cocktails this time, a full bar in addition to beer and wine. And, you know, that'll be something that's a little bit different for them too. And, and you know, that Memorial Green Development is going to have 91 luxury homes starting at, million dollars so there's definitely a built-in audience of people for the restaurant it'll be kind of a a slightly more upscale companion to dish society that's uh going to open up there later this summer so yeah i'm excited for them i think it's going to be really interesting yep well you know i'll be your date i'll be your date (laughs) when they first open so just throw that out there so you know it's already in the universe e good to know (laughs) i'll I'll pencil you in uh for the summer of 2018 great 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 it's a date Our next story, uh, Tony's, the iconic Houston restaurant, the Fine Dining Palace, has a new chef de cuisine. Kate McLean has left after three or four years. Yeah, which is sad. A a little bit. Yeah. And then they have a new chef, uh, Austin Waiters, Austin Waiter, who uh, had been Kate's sous chef, has been promoted. Now, I have to admit, it's been a while since I've eaten at Tony's. What about you? Have you been there it's in been the a last while. year? No. And I was supposed to go and then had something else to go. Oh, oh, I was had something else going on, not going somewhere else, but I did not make it. And then again, it wasn't a big deal for me to reschedule it. Sorry, I wasn't. So <laughs> does it, I mean, I, I really, in my opinion, what makes Tony's is Tony, right? Chefs kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. And he's had some great ones that have worked there that might make it you know, a little higher profile. Obviously, Kate did a very good job. Uh, Grant Gordon, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, like really kind of brought that restaurant to prominence. Had Mary Clarkson on last week. The, the Her business, Olivier, her business partner, um, Chef Olivier, was at Tony's for a long time right. before that. So obviously, you know, chefs come and go, but Tony's kind of stays the same. What do you, like, is a new chef enough to get you to go back to Tony's? No, not for me. I what I think about for Tony's, it's it's iconic, right? So it has to. I think it has a place. It's you know I'm happy that it's there. It's Houston. So for me, if I have guests coming in and I'm trying to um, impress them or want to take them, and they're like, I want to go somewhere iconic, I would take them to Tony's. That would get me back there. Okay, but would you take them to Tony's over Brennan's? Yes. Especially okay. now. Well, especially now with, you know, they, now, they that have, Danny, now that Danny's left and Danny, Joe Cervantes is taking over. Right. And, and not anything against um, new chef, but definitely now. I mean, there's, you know, it's a new chef at each place, but I would definitely take them to Tony's because it's more iconic. Okay. But if you say someone offers to treat you like Felice, no holds barred. I got a thousand dollars for dinner for two. We can go anywhere in the city. Would Tony's be on your list? No. No. See, I don't yeah, and no, I don't would, think it would be yeah, for me either. Be, yeah. Right? Given that sort of environment, I think I would rather at the very least go to some place that is very heavily focused on the food 
more than the atmosphere and that that would take me maybe to curate, maybe to maybe to the past. Okay. Uh, BCN. Or MF Sushi. Or MF Sushi <laughs> or Kata Robata. Right, yeah. That, that a no-holds-barred blowout dinner. Yep. And I just wonder if in the face of not just, well, not just BCN is the most obvious fine dining restaurant. Right. La Tab in the Galleria area obviously has captured some of that market. And now Patente, the Italian restaurant that Jim Crane opened next to Minute Maid Park that hired Danny Trace, the right. former executive chef of Brennan's, that it just seems like all of a sudden in the last couple of three, four years, there's more competition in that space than maybe Tony's has had in a decade. Oh, definitely. I would agree. That's that's one of the things where, I mean, with Mark's closing, right? Like, right. you know, Mark's, it was kind of Tony's and Mark's. So if you think of fine dining iconic, that's, you know, that's what you thought about. Right. When I graduated high school, that was pretty much it. Right. Yeah. So now it's depending on what your palate is, you can go to a couple of different, all the places you named um, and, you know, decide what, what, what do you want? What type of experience do you want? But Tony's would definitely be on the list. I, they just wouldn't be at the top of the list for me. Right. And, and I think it's still, it certainly still has its place. Sure. In the Houston restaurant world. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not predicting the death of Tony's right. or anything even close to that. But I do think there are more choices now. And I wonder if the new chef gives that restaurant an opportunity to sort of reintroduce itself to a younger generation of diners. You know, when I was growing up, Tony's was the place my parents went that we weren't allowed to go. Right. <laughs> and so I still think of it, you know, as a native Houstonian who grew up going to nice restaurants, you know, Damien's, Brennan's. River Oaks Grill, whatever, whatever, I still think of Tony's as only a special occasion place and only a place that's going to be very expensive. And so I just wonder if, and I don't expect them to serve burgers at dinner or, right. or you know, spaghetti <laughs> and meatballs, but I wonder if this isn't an opportunity for them to reintroduce themselves to a younger generation of diners and say, look, you don't have to spend $200 on a bottle of wine here or... $80 on salt crusted snapper, you can still have a good meal here for the $60, $70 a person that you're going to pay at someplace like Pax Americana. No, I think for them to continue to grow and be relevant, I think they have to. They got they have to find a way to bridge that, right? Because we talk about the competition. Competition like that, where before they didn't have a lot, now it's making them raise the bar so for them to stay relevant year after year after year for people 10 years down the line be having this conversation they need to be doing that all right yes i 100 percent agree with you <laughs> um let's move on oh no i'm sorry before we move on we kate mclean the the chef who left tony's has kind of gone underground uh, i sent her a couple text messages i didn't get a response she she gave kind of a Generic statement to the Houston press. Do you do you want to eat at a Kate McLean restaurant? You know what? I think she's talented. I think it would be great. And then she's a girl, girl power. We need more. I don't know if I can cuss. So we need more baddies. I'll say that. Yeah. Female baddie chef. So I would love to give her the opportunity to serve me. We try to keep it PG on here just because <laughs> I know there could be parents listening to the podcast in the car with their kids. And I don't want them to have to explain a word that the kids maybe haven't heard right. before. So we're going to go with Batty. Yes, I would love to see that. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm with you. I think, you know, the tasting menu at Tony's showed more of her creativity. And I'm just curious, you know, I don't think we really know what her cuisine is like, but she has this crazy fancy pedigree. And it just seems like, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully she left for a reason. Hopefully that means that there's, Right, someone, she's working on something. Someone backing up the Brinks truck and is going to open a restaurant with her. We're hoping that for you, Kate. We're hoping that. Um, and then I do want to hit this just briefly because it was something that I wanted to talk about the first time you were on the podcast and we ran out of time. There's a new food hall coming to downtown. It's going to be called the Jones on Main. It's coming to the, the Chase Tower, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the downtown central business district. It's going to have about a dozen stalls conservatory has i want to say five now so this is twice as big and very and and on the tunnels which will make it a definite lunch destination what what do you want to see at a new food hall downtown i want to see um it go a direction um kind of like um philly the reading um terminal market where it's just very eclectic right i can go right it's only gonna be 12 stalls so you know, we're going to start out, but I wanted to see like the mom and pop places. Like I wanted to be very eclectic and reflect what I can get all over Houston in one place. Right. I don't want to see all these corporate driven chains or restaurants or high dollar. That's great. But I, I, that's not what I want to see there. Yeah. So the one thing I'm <laughs> going to put this out there and I'm just going to hope that uh, the people at the Jones on Main and the publicist who represents the Jones on Main listens to this. I want a late night sushi spot. Yeah, that, yeah. Because there is really no place, there's no place that I'm aware of that serves sushi after 11, even on Friday and Saturdays. And there is no place during the week that serves it after 10 that I'm aware of. Or at least, if they are, I probably don't want to eat there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, people of the Jones on Main, this is my plea. Partner with the sushi restaurant of your choice, the local sushi chef that is most willing to cut a deal with you. And let's get a late night sushi destination downtown. Yeah, that would be good. Maybe a couple of spots, right, that are a little bit later. Um, but I just think that would it's I'm excited about it. Right. We need it. We're a food destination. Houston's so spread out. Right. And this trend is sweeping the country. Yeah. And really the only two that I can think of are conservatory and then a little bit with what's happening in in the Greenway Plaza food court where you've got Greenway Coffee. Rice box and now Burger Chan, mm-hmm. but certainly there's there's an opportunity for you know a really great Vietnamese spot that does banh mi and pho and bubun way and maybe vermicelli. You know there's an opportunity for fried chicken and yeah. southern staples. There's an opportunity for burgers. There's an opportunity for Neapolitan pizza. You know, the specific ramen concept of conservatory didn't work, but I'm not giving up on that yet because late night ramen at Jinya and at Ninja Ramen does really well. So it seems like the sort of thing that should be a fit. Yeah, I think so. At a food hall concept. You know, I think the possibilities are endless. I mean, I'd love to see great sandwiches, you know, a a deli with house cured meats and freshly baked bread. So I'm going to put all that out there in the world. I'm going to hope the people at the Jones on Main listen to the show. Please. And then we'll see what we'll see what happens with that when it opens next year. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited about it though. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. Let's move on to the restaurants of the week. And you know what we're gonna talk about because we had 
a first class dinner late Saturday night at Own Korean Eatery. I'll just let me just introduce it real quick. Own is the new concept from Mike Tran. If that name isn't familiar to you, his restaurants certainly are. He's a partner in Akasushi, which is located in the Upper Kirby area. He kicked off Houston's ramen boom when he opened Tiger Den in Chinatown. He followed that up with a restaurant called Maine. And then he had a restaurant uh, called Night Market that is temporarily closed while they tweak some things. But, I mean, this guy is the closest thing we have to the king of Chinatown. <laughs> and the new restaurant is a Korean soju bar concept. How would you describe the decor? It's, you know, that's very interesting because it reminds me, if you haven't gone to um, the other, the night market, it reminds me of night market, but it's very. Um, I'm going to throw a movie out at you. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. That's, that's it. Right. Because <laughs> I'm trying to struggle for words like to put it, it is, together. It is yes, that's dark. It. it is intimate. It has neon signs. It's a little bit mysterious because it's got these high walls that separate right. the individual booths. I mean, I walked through it and I looked at our friend Nathan Ketchum, who's a restaurant consultant that's co-host of the podcast a couple of times, and I just said, this place looks cool. It's super cool, and it's it's great. Like it's, I call it a creep spot. It's a, like if you just want to be low-key and just under the radar, it's a great spot for that. I mean, it's I love it. It's a very clean, just simple, but super cool. Yeah, and it's got, well, let's start with the cocktails just because there's not a lot of boozy options in Chinatown. Own sets itself apart. They hired Chris Frankel, a local bartender, to do the cocktails. And so he's got, you know, a highball that uses, or an old-fashioned variation that uses Toki Japanese whiskey. Right. There's a number of soju cocktails, which is a a distilled uh, rice spirit that's very popular in Korea. It, it's a more complete dining experience from that sense and really what you want considering that it's open until 2 a.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday and open until midnight during the week. Um, but we had a great experience with the food. What was your favorite dish of what we ordered? Let's see. Ooh, that's We had a lot. Let's see. I yeah, think... We probably ordered about a dozen <laughs> dishes. Yeah, I think the um, the brisket dish was that sold out. We got, I think the last one, by the way, was outstanding and i also loved it was all like the last dishes that chicken that we didn't think we were gonna get um, yeah the sweet and sour <laughs> kind of classic korean fried chicken right because the other ones were sold out right yeah. um i think i love that those two and there was one more thing that i loved um okay for me it was the garlic wings the yes. other fried chicken that we ordered and that mm-hmm. kind of uh sweet soy sweet soy and garlic Right. It doesn't taste like anything else, right? It has its own kind of, it was really special, yeah. uh, Super crispy on the outside, nice and juicy in the middle. And then the kimchi fried rice was like an unexpected, it had that that beautifully cooked egg, and the rice was super fluffy, and the kimchi had that nice sour funk that you really want with that dish. Um, I mean, we had a bunch of other stuff. None of it it really missed for me. Right. I think the only miss was the... um, the pork dish that was really dry. Yeah, the the, ton, the it was basically it. a tonkatsu style. Yeah, and they just fried pork cutlet. Yeah, it was dried out. Yeah, um, everything else was. I mean, we if, so one out of like twelve dishes, <laughs> we did pretty good. Yeah, we did pretty well. <laughs> and you know, we didn't we didn't make it easy on them. We took uh, friends who are involved in the restaurant industry, friends who take their food very seriously, 
And we all left thinking, you know, we'll be back. Yeah, for sure. Everyone, yeah, it was, it was a positive experience. And the cocktails, I know, I didn't. You and Nathan had full cocktails. I tasted the cocktails and was regretting that I didn't get cocktails. So I think Chris did an excellent job of pairing the menu with the cocktails. So I think people will be impressed. Like you said, very impressive. It's a full experience there. That does it for the restaurants of the week. Felice, thank you so much. We will follow you at urbanswank.com and urbanswank on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Am I missing anything? Or you, you are not. And Pinterest. You miss Pinterest. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to slight Pinterest. Uh, Felice, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, E. And I'll be right back with Travis Lenig and Chico Ramirez from Field and Tides. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? For my interview this week, I'm joined by Chef Travis Lenig and Chico Ramirez from Field and Tides, a new restaurant in the Heist that, as its name implies, serves a mix of seafood, meat, maybe a little bit of wild game, not just the regular beef and chicken. Travis, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you just so people can hear your voice. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? Good to have you. Chico, how are you? What's going on, brother? All right. Let's just, let's just dive right in a little bit. How did this concept come together? When did y'all start working together, and when did you decide to open a restaurant together? I'll let him take this one. <laughs> <laughs> we met, uh, goes back to when we originally opened uh, re- another restaurant in the Heights about seven years ago, Liberty Kitchen. Travis came on shortly after we opened the doors as the executive chef, and we just became good friends over time. I left in 2013 and went on to do another venture and latter part of last year i got a phone call from him we were talking and he's like i'm ready so we started looking for spaces we had had an idea in mind of what we wanted to do for a number of years something that uh, he had experience with rainbow lodge uh I, i mean the number of restaurants that he's worked at really kind of built the idea behind the menu and then it just became a race, see where we could find a space, raise the money, and and trying to find the name too. The name was yeah. We we, we knew we knew what kind of concept we wanted. We just didn't want our name to make us the to basically put put the tipping point on uh, what what kind of restaurant are they going to be, you know? Right, because you you may want to serve seafood, but you don't necessarily want to get pigeonholed as a seafood restaurant. No, and yeah. I didn't want, also didn't want to be you know labeled as like a French restaurant or Asian. Anything like that. I, I wanted people to be able to come to our place and get an array of different things. You know, it, that's the hardest thing that I think is whenever I go out with my wife or family, it's where do you want to eat? Well, I want this, or I want this, where, you know, you come to our place, you get a, a mix of those things. So, so what, were, what was one of the names that you thought about that you ultimately rejected? Well, we were going to use his name Ford as part of one of them. Yeah, and I was like, his middle I, name Ford. I didn't want to. I didn't want my name to be. I, I, I don't. I don't knock knock people that do it. It's just I haven't. For me to have my first restaurant and to, and to use my name as the as the restaurant name, I, I was just like, uh, I don't really want to be that person yet. Yeah, yeah that could be the next restaurant or some <laughs> some other restaurant. <laughs> Uh, and obviously, Chico's would have a whole other concept. <laughs> yeah, that's the, a different kind of restaurant. Yeah, oh, that's a whole new plato. The, yeah, the, the perception <laughs> there might be a little bit different. So, Travis, you you did you have worked in a number of really great restaurants around town. Uh, Chico mentioned Rainbow Lodge. I mean, I know I've talked to you about 
you spent a number of years at Marks. So I've worked at, uh, I started my career off at uh, Raging Cajun. I worked for Dominic Mandola at the one of West Iron and Gessner. And then I went to culinary school, or while I was there, I was in culinary school. Then I went to go work for Rainbow Lodge, Massa Seafood. Uh, uh, I went to Bistro Modern to work underneath Philippe for a year. And then uh, moved to Utah and then came back three years later and started working for Charles Clark as his executive sous chef and then went to Mark's and then after Mark's for three years. You had a short stint at, uh, at shade. shade. I had a, I, I, did, I did like eight months with, with Claire Smith at shade. So, you know, I've been all around Houston. I, you know, I love Houston and I've worked for some of the greats here in Houston. So, so, so you took all those experiences and you put them into field and tides. What were like the one or two things that you, knew absolutely you wanted to do and maybe what's one thing that you you like a pitfall that you had seen that you definitely wanted to avoid i don't really know like we oh scallops yeah i mean that was one thing that we had we had to have like i wanted that on right off, right off the bat but like all the all the stuff that's really on our menu like it was stuff that i kind of just <laughs> I, I honestly i'm not just i i kind of winged it and I was like, you know what, this is this makes sense. This is what I want to do. A few of the items I'd done at, at Liberty and at Marks, but like um, for a majority of the part, everything that's on that menu is is just stuff that I just kind of thought up and that him and I were just kind of brainstorming. I'm like, hey, how does this sound? And then getting down to like the last few items that we had to do for the restaurant, it was honestly just him and I bouncing off ideas and trying to figure out, oh, well, we got to have a chicken dish. We have to have a pork dish and – you know, what are we going to do for this? I th- feel like our menu's too small. Let's add like four or five more items. And and he would, Chico and I would just go through our, you know, look at stuff on the internet and be like, oh, you know what? We could do something similar to that and just kind of nitpick until we finally figured out, okay, this is it. This is done now. So obviously it's a, so, so to a certain extent, it's been a little bit in flux. What's, what's worked like? What what couple of dishes on the menu have been just a home run? Like you can't believe you're selling so many of them. And then what's maybe one or two where you're like, this isn't working. We got to change it. <laughs> well, I'd say, I mean, the the home runs are pimento cheese fritters and the Brussels and, and oysters and the Brussels sprouts and oysters. I mean, we can't even keep those things in stock. Like I just I I didn't think that people would just go bonkers over fried Brussels sprouts and oysters. I was like, I, I knew I wanted fried oysters, and I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work. And literally the day that we did uh, family night where we invited family over was the first day that I did the pimento cheese fritter. And I walked out and I go, this is it, dude. We'll, we'll see this what is happens. The, this is the defining moment of whether or not this dish is going to work. Yeah, yeah I think it's one of those early kind of like if we wrapped up like the, the dishes you had to eat in 2017, I think that pimento cheese fritter is on the list. I mean, I, I know when I've eaten at Field and Tides, I think every table gets an order. They pretty yeah. much do, or the fried oysters in Brussels. Like, it's crazy how much goes through that. Well, and it's crazy because you, you know, I, you know, Brussels sprouts kind of got reintroduced to all of us, you know, five or six years ago. You know, we learned that roasting them was the key, or maybe even frying them was the key, and not boiling them, which is what our mothers and grandmothers did. Yeah. Um. So every now and then I'll hear people say Brussels sprouts are over, and I'm sick of Brussels sprouts. But I, I think the key was just pair them with really great fried oysters and then it's like <laughs> it's all new again um 
Is there a dish or two that, that just you were excited about and just people haven't responded to? I would say that I wasn't excited. I mean, you had to have a chicken dish on your on your menu. I, I, That's the one that blew my mind. Like, it was really, it's good. It's just not my favorite thing to do. Like, I, th- I, I believe that you have to have chicken on there because people that follow strict diets, they, they you know, you have to be able to give them that. And I kind of, towards the end, I was just like, I had something that was really, really good, and it just did not plan out the way, pan out the way that I've really wanted to. Now we're changing that dish. You know, it's just, it's the one dish that I'm just kind of like, I knew exactly what I wanted. It was really good when I could do it at home and take my time to do it, but doing it at mass production, it, it, I believe it's a little lost on that one. Yeah, when you when you've got you know fifteen minutes to to get it on a exactly. table, it's <laughs> it can be a little tricky. Chico, from your perspective, uh, running the operations side, running the front of the house, um, have things gone smoothly for you, or or what's it been like compared to your previous experiences? I'll tell you. You know, I've opened eight nine restaurants now, including Field and Tides, and hands down. This has gone off, knock on wood. Uh, this has literally gone off without a hitch. We're, we're absolutely so lucky to have the staff working with us that we do. Um, our la- for Everything from our landlord to our partners to the staff that works with us to the media love that we've seen from everybody. I mean, it's just been absolutely amazing for us. It really has. I mean, we hear sometimes about staffing shortages. It seems like every restaurant is always hiring. Have you encountered that or... Do you feel like you have enough of a reputation that people are kind of seeking you out? I would say, and I agree with you, in today's market, especially here in Houston, you've got new restaurants opening what seems every other week, and good, bad, or otherwise, it depletes the quality job market out there. Um, One of the very conscious decisions that Travis and I both agreed on and talked about before opening was the size of the restaurant space that we wanted. We wanted something that was... Not too small, not too big. Um, something that was always going to be hands-on for both of us to see and to touch every table with, but so that we didn't have a monster staff. We really wanted to be able to pick the creme de la creme that you know would come and apply with us. Um, and thus far, we've been real lucky. We only seat uh, 54 inside and another uh, 24 outside, so we're a small venue. Um, but the level of qu- or the quality of staff that we have from Monique Hernandez, our bar director to some of the servers that we have on the floor. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, Travis, I know I was in last week and got to taste some of the dishes you're working on for summer. Uh, a sear tuna salad was really excellent. Uh, what else do you have coming and, and what kind of, what philosophy do you bring to changing up the menu? So for the summertime, I like, I looked at our menu and I, you know, I went, to my wife and I talked to her and she's like, you know, you are a little man heavy dishes, you know, and I wanted to be able for people to come in and I wanted to refocus on getting lighter dishes out there. So I put, you know, a couple more salads on than I normally would have in the beginning. I wanted to do that. I was just like, I didn't know if we were really ready, but now it's, I put, I'm putting on two new salads. I'm putting on a new chicken dish, uh, a tuna poke, uh, fish collars, which are basically the uh, chicken wing of the sea. Um, and then uh, a new pork chop dish, a new halibut dish, and I think one more. 
I just can't remember. <laughs> I just wanted. To, I know they just they come so fast sometimes. I just wanted to. I wanted to change up and make this the summer a little bit lighter, and to get a kind of step back from the heavier notes that we've been doing. Yeah, and I I know one of the things that someone said to me was they they felt like the menu was was pretty diverse, but that at lunch it just didn't seem like there were no yeah some I'll of those agree. lighter choices. So, I'll agree with that. Yeah, so this gives people and and I think. My impression, at least from the time that I had lunch there, is that you're doing more lunch business maybe than you anticipated. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So, you know, having those salads, having a, you know, a lighter entree and, and things that are frankly just a little bit less expensive um, will help you grow that. I agree. I know that the, the space is evolving. You talked about you have the dining room and the patio. You also have the gas station next door that you had planned to use for a bar and, and some private dining space. Mm-hmm. What's the status of that? We're still working uh, with our plan sets, uh, resubmitting to the city. We've gone in. Uh, this will be our second go-round with them. Um, it, it's a small space. It's 500 square feet. So it's not big by any stretch of the imagination. But the one thing that we want to be able to offer out of it, kind of the overall premise behind it was overflow space, something that wasn't going to stand on its own as a unique concept, but something that was uh, not an afterthought either, but something that really kind of helped to elevate what we were doing with the restaurant, Uh, a space you could hang out, relax. If you only wanted to do appetizers, you can just sit at the bar, hang out, and, you know, people watch do that. Uh, If somebody wanted to do the private dining room experience, we can offer that as well. You know, like every restaurant tour in the city, I don't want to get married to a time and a date. Um, it's going to be there. <laughs> Two weeks. When it that's gets what everybody yeah. tells me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, when it gets there, it'll be ready. We'll be ready before the holiday season. I'll get married to that. Okay. Um, I also noticed you're starting to kind of work your way through the review cycle. You're, you're getting some feedback from, I mean, I, I guess you, you probably get feedback from day one from Yelp. Uh, certainly there's Facebook is like a, a never ending source of comments and criticism but you're starting to also get a little bit from the professional critics. Travis, is it different for you now that it's your name, you know, now that it's your restaurant? No, here's, like, like you know, I, I believe that if you go to work for anybody, you, you also take it as your own as well. It may not have been, you know, be, working for Liberty Kitchen, I, I looked at it every single day as that was my restaurant, whichever one I was at. And I really put my heart and soul. So if I got a bad review, it really, granted, would go through the owners, and the owners would come back to me on it, and it was a little bit more, <laughs> and not so not such friendly words were spit at me. But you know th- that's okay. Like I get emotional about that that stuff too, and I we take it with a grain of salt. Him and I will look at certain things, and we'll be like, okay, well let's see, let's let's get these dishes that they complained about, and let's try them out. And if we think that they're not right, then we need to fix it. But for majority of the part, like the feedback's been really good. I can see a few negative things. The one negative thing that we get is, you know, the weight. And, you know, I believe that if you're a good restaurant, I mean, I'm happy that there's a weight. I honestly am. Like it's right. I mean, you're popular. That's I mean, and you don't you don't take reservations, right? We take reservations for parties of six or more. Okay. So, but you know, if you're just a couple or or a party of four, there might be a way. I mean, that's first know. come, first serve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's it, very democratic in that sense. Absolutely. And we've been very absolutely. fortunate. And I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm happy that people wait. And 
for for the most part, when people do wait, we do you know we have a cocktail waitress and we do give out appetizers as well. So, so there you go. I mean, you're managing the wait. Yes. Uh, the other thing that people have talked about sometimes is that the dining room can be a little loud. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you agree with that? Are you addressing it? What are your? What's your sense of that? Yeah, there's a couple of schools of thought there. One is, you know, my parents were recently in town. My dad's 77 years old. My mom's 71. They're the kind of folks that complain about stuff all the time in restaurants, and they both said the same thing. Yeah, it's noisy in there, but it's not unbearable. You've got a popular restaurant, just like you just said. People have to expect that. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, I don't want an experience for our guests where it's unbearable. They can't talk to one another. They're screaming at one another. You know, one of our guests the other day uh, uh, from London, I think it was London, said, you know, it's funny here in the States. In Europe, in a loud restaurant, diners tend to speak quieter to bring the volume down themselves. Here in the States, on the other hand, as one talks louder, then the next talks louder, and then the next talks. So, you know, it's one of those things we're trying to address. We're looking at different solutions right now to help improve it. Um, so, yeah, because you we'll don't want to kill your atmosphere. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of lively neighborhood restaurant, it's a, I mean, it's a key part of the dining experience. Yeah, you, you need wanna, energy. You got to yeah. have energy. If you don't have energy, it's not a lot of fun. I mean, nobody wants to sit in, quiet. A, yeah, in right. a quiet tank and eat their food peacefully. And, you know, <laughs> you want a little bit of the insanity that goes with, you know, what we do. Right. And if, and if it, having a field and tides, a very quiet field and tides experience is important to you, then I suggest going for lunch at like 1.30 on a Wednesday. One thing you guys were just talking about, um, talking about uh, customer reviews or feedback, um, you talked about Yelp. I'll be the first one to say I'm not a fan of Yelp. I, I'm just not. I think, it, I think it gives people the wrong place to have their say. Our biggest, uh, our biggest feedback comes from one place, and that comes from us touching every, as table. M- every table, as many tables as we can. The best thing in the world that I like to hear is when a customer walks up, this is our first time back, we're going to call this restaurant home. Or we've been here five times in the last 10 days. Or we just moved to the neighborhood and we just can't believe how you know awesome the experience is. You know, and I, I just don't think that you get that from talking to people or reading the Yelp reviews or the Facebook reviews or whatever else. You got to focus on the immediacy of the person in front of you. You know, the other policy we've got or the, kind of the philosophy that we adhere to is that, you know, you got in your car, you made a conscious decision to get in your car, drive to our restaurant and spend money with us. And if we screw up some part of that experience, it's on us to fix that. People don't like a dish. We're not going to charge you for it. And 99% of the time, we're going to take care of it. So, you know, for us, it's all about the immediacy of the guest experience. I mean, that said, at least, you, you are doing very well on Yelp. Four and a half stars, almost yeah. 100 reviews. I mean, and, you know, just my sort of uh, anecdotal encounters with the restaurant, it's busy when I go there. Mm. I drive past it. The parking lot is full. I mean, it, it's it got to be going. By, by any measure, you have to be really pleased with the response. Oh, I mean, we're blown out of the water. I mean, based on what we projected to do and where we're at today, we're blessed. And we just we can't be any happier with, you know, the response that we're getting from the community. And I wanted to ask you about that because there's so many changes happening in the Heights right now. Uh, glass wall just closed. It's going to turn into something new. Shade closed after uh, more than 10 years. It's, a, it's about to reopen as Alice Blue. Another neighbor of yours, uh, Arthur Avenue, closed and became Helen in the Heights. 
what is it about the heights do you think where it's like either you catch right on fire and the neighborhood loves you or you burn in flames or you go down really fast and and obviously shade and glass wall are exceptions to that but but we've certainly seen plenty of places that kind of come and go really fast i think it's how you embrace the neighborhood i agree it's I the mean, people that are there it's i mean we know we know everybody that pretty much everybody that comes to the door that lives in the heights we've befriended and and I knew them when we were at Liberty, and we made friends with them when they were at Liberty. It's about taking care of them. That, that's what it's about. And the, the neighborhood will bring you in if you take care of them. And then are you seeing traffic from beyond the neighborhood too? Oh, or? yeah. Tons. I mean, uh, I mean, we hear people, you know, we drove in from Pearland today. Uh, we heard about you guys uh, from Clear Lake. You know, Katie. oh, we're in, our, we're in town to see our kids uh, from Austin or, you know, from Dallas. Um, we had a New York couple, uh, speaking of Yelp, that just moved to the neighborhood and picked up a review and came in and found, you know, just a lot of love with us. So, obviously, you both worked for Liberty Kitchen. There's a few of those that have opened up around town. You have experience working with multiple concepts, multiple units of the same concept. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate opening more restaurants together? I know that's a tricky question <laughs> when you're like, five months old no 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 uh no we to be honest with you, we've got two more concepts under our belt um that we're not ready to talk about right now but uh <laughs> you know i do like to break a little news here on yes the yes yes we do we do have two more concepts we want to do together um it you know for us it's all about timing and location i mean everybody says the same thing but you really can't be any truer to that statement um Finding an old Zelko's Bistro that we were both positive had already been leased. We were and, ecstatic when we found out we could actually And then get to it. find out we can get in was just, you know, I mean, it was perfect time. You couldn't ask for anything else. So for us, it's all about figuring out the next location, which concept of the two that we have um, is going to fit that and, you know, going from there. So I, I know you're not ready to talk details, but do you think that they will also be in the Heights? Or do you think they will be somewhere else? I would say probably not. I mean, Travis, you, you went to Memorial High School. You're a, a West Houston guy. I think you hit it on the nail head. That, that neighborhood <laughs> could certainly use, that neighborhood could certainly probably use a couple of new dining options. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love Memorial. It would have to be, for him and I to go over there, would have to be a really, really good spot. It, like, I thought we've thought about it. So, <laughs> not, all right. I'm not going to say it's out. No, we looked. We did. We looked over there, and it's it's not easy to find the it's right spot. It's not easy to find. I mean, we we wanted Field and Tides to go over there at one point. It was just where can we put it, and where's <laughs> you have right. to be able to you have to be able to draw. I, I believe that neighborhood they go out to eat, and they're going for destination. I mean, living there, I, I, I grew up, you know, at Memorial and Gessner, and growing up there, like we would, my parents, if we went out to eat. It was going, it was getting in the car and going some distance. You know, that was part of the adventure being a kid. Uh, I believe there's not a whole lot of dining, uh, nice dining restaurants that are on that side of town. So, yeah, it'd be nice to be over there. It's just. Well, you got that middle part. You know, you got city center, which I think is becoming more entrenched with restaurants and the idea that it's a destination spot, even uh, Memorial City Mall. Yeah. But between. Before Bunker Hill, to say back to uh, not Westview, but well, maybe uh, like Chimney Rock, yeah, yeah, 
where I mean, you just yeah. don't have a lot of options. There's just a few on the freeway, but once you get into the neighborhoods, oh, I mean, there just really Nothing. isn't a lot of stuff there. All right. So before I let you go, I want to try something new for the show here. I've developed some lightning round style questions. Okay. Just just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah. You in? Yeah, sure. All right. Awesome. Let's go. All right. Uh, the first restaurant you worked at? Mincia's in Kingwood. Raging Cajun. <laughs> All right. Um, the first concert you ever went to? The Cult, Long Beach, 84. Oh, man. New Year's. <laughs> God, rare you, are, you are old. The rare, the rare non-food question. Uh, Dave, Dave Matthews band or Horde Fest back in 1994. It was Dave Matthews, Lenny Kravitz, Rusted Root, and Blues Traveler. All right, that tells us uh, that tells us something about how you spend your free time. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say you're right. <laughs> uh, the best new restaurant other than yours that you've tried in the last two or three months. I don't know about new, but my wife and I had a fantastic experience at Izakayawa off Memorial uh, not too long ago. I got her to taste uh, beef tongue, and that was a big step out of the box for her. But, I mean, food, service, everything was fantastic. I haven't been anywhere new in the past four months, but I did go to Cultivari uh, a couple Mondays ago, and I've been there a couple times. And it was It's still just so good. Yeah, one of the best so, restaurants in Houston. So yeah, good. Without a doubt. Favorite Houston sports figure, either current or historical? Earl Campbell. Craig Biggio. Where's your favorite place to get a taco? This is a really, really this tough This is tough. Uh, lately, I would say uh, Unos Pinches Tacos, which is off Cavalcade, for me. Um, I was there this morning solid. breakfast tacos. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, for me, it's... And there's so many. I mean, I, I love Unos Pinches tacos, but there's all these little taco trucks that are down the street from me on Long Point. I just kind of venture off, and I'll go to one by one. I don't really know their names. I just I'll, I'll just try any 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 place that serves tacos is number one in my book. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, Travis and Chico, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Great to have you. Thanks, Eric. Uh, we'll follow you on Instagram at Field and Tides. And, of course, your website is fieldandtides.com. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. And, of course, keep it locked on the Culture Map for all the latest food news. We've got a great look at 21 restaurants you're going to be excited about trying this summer. Nine new happy hours to try. Lots of stuff going on. I will be back next week with Ryan Soroka from 8 Wonder Brewery. Thanks so much for listening.